I'm excited to announce our upcoming 2023 Banking with Life client-only event. It's going to happen in mid-October of 2023. It's going to happen downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Our whole team will be there. The team has been working very hard to make this an event that's not to be missed. I'll be there, have an opportunity to meet me, have an opportunity to meet the team. I'm going to be speaking. We'll have other guest speakers, and you'll have the opportunity to meet a room full of like-minded people. Think about that. A room full of people that are practicing becoming their own banker. They are practicing the infinite banking concept. You'll have the opportunity to meet with them and share with them. You got to be somewhere. You might as well be there. In this episode, Ryan and I discuss how to navigate a professional relationship. We had fun and hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Bank of Your Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. It's been a minute since uh, the young traveling, world traveling Mr. Griggs has uh, been down here in the world headquarters of Banking with Life. Welcome. How are you? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while. Lots of travel. Well, uh, personal it, and business stuff in June. Here we are in July, 2023. Did um, you take a lot of photos? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big photo taker, but yes. Cool. Um, and then just being busy, you know, buying a house and trying to get this book in order. People have been asking about the book, as they'll hear me mention it, and it is coming. I had a I contracted contracted with a uh, publication services company to handle things like design and distribution and things like that, and they uh, proceeded to go uh, right under. <laughs> what undercapitalized yeah. under out of business under? Yeah, yeah. Nobody knows any details, of course, because whoever does, uh, but yeah, they've effectively disappeared. So I then I now get to take back control over doing all of those little things that they were going to handle which is fine i mean it's good it's going to work out better than it would have otherwise but yeah uh i think three months ish so we're, i think probably october november october. here i am saying it put it out in the world uh, october. october's a great month to release a book sure i'm just saying yeah <laughs> i mean yesterday would have been a great day too uh well you missed that one so we're yeah. talking about when you know in the future october november i mean october I mean, both, it, whatever, don't rush it. Just take your time. It's going to be done right. It yeah. is done right. It's written well. It's, it's, so take the appropriate amount of time to keep the standard. Because yeah. all of us can just go anywhere on the internet about and buy marketing pamphlets or rehashed books or people that wrote a book, you know, after they learned how to spell obvious. See, I, listen, I'm full of love and full of grace. This book is not that. A yeah. marketing pamphlet. Okay, so. Yeah, and I, I just, I have an editor, you know, I went and found a freelance type editor, which all editors are freelance, really. Um, well, did you just get laid off from that other company that went under? <laughs> and it's difficult, too, because the subject, it is, like, to your point, it, it's not uh, rehashing becoming your own banker. I mean, it's in the introduction. It's like, you should go read this other book first. This isn't going to make sense. It's meant to fill the gap between becoming your own banker and I know how, uh, I at least know the, the language and the mental framework to understand how what's in becoming your own banker might apply to my own life in yep. these current circumstances, you know, 2023, 20 plus years after the publication of the book. And so it's meant to fill that gap. And so the material to the totally uninitiated is going to seem pretty high level. Like it's not going to. All right. They're smart. Sense. They can read. 
They can understand. Yeah, well, I mean, you think like an, a paid professional editor would, but you know, I, oh, I was talking about the prospective reader in the future. When oh, it, they probably out. know better, you know, because <laughs> of someone who watches the podcast or has seen the mechanic series or has read Becoming Your Own Banker or Building Your Warehouse of Wealth or watched Nelson's seminar or watched the Banking with Life DVD, they're going to come with a better foundation and hopefully it'll make more sense to them than it would for a totally uninitiated but ostensibly professional editor. Uh, my problem is I get the the feedback feedback from the editor and it's like there's not a lot there there you know and I'm catching things well just, you're a pretty good writer so there might not be a lot there yeah it's just hard to know like and then they they've not read all of this they're completely foreign to this idea of controlling the banking function they're, and they're probably reading yeah. something two or three times not looking for editorial corrections but just trying to wrap their mind around what you're saying yeah yeah. I mean, that is what's happening. And it's it's now I'm on the second editor where I've had that type experience. So at some point, I'm just going to say, look, this is technically and conceptually correct. The The language is good. Like stylistically, it makes sense. It's readable. Uh, and, and good is better than perfect. And, and get it out there and get it done and stop talking about it. Right? I, it's time. Your lips to God's ears. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> And well, it's a lot. I mean, 65, yeah. 67,000 words. So it's you know, yeah. 250, 300 pages. Perfect. So it's not going to be an epitome, but it's going to be not a pamphlet. Significant. Yeah. yeah. Chunky. Well, good. I'm. Uh, we are all looking forward to it. I mean, really, the, uh, you know, the... The acknowledgement, the acknowledgements, you know, made me squirt a little. I'm telling you, you know, it's like bring a tear to your eye. Um, okay, well, perfect. You have, uh, I say perfect. I do want to move on to the next conversation um, because you know it's been a few, it's been a minute, and so a lot of things come up between mm-hmm. the times we sit down and record. And so many yeah. things come up that are worthy to discuss and talk about and speak, you know, and share and for people to hear. You know, you can't you can't remember them all. No. But you've got a few, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've certainly noticed I was thinking on my way over here. I've certainly noticed that people just in my little slice of experience are coming to. To coming to the table, coming to the process, coming to me in particular, more prepared. Yeah, they've. Uh, I think the mechanic series that is on my YouTube channel has been helpful in that regard. But there's the the sort of entry level understanding that threshold is rising, um, which is great. It means we can spend much more time going deeper on an individual's own particular circumstances and talking in more advanced terms strategically you know even if it's just brainstorming about the future you know passive cash flow late in life what's that look like how does purposely running a policy loan balance interact with the potential liquidation of other assets late in life you know to have a nice smooth uh, legally minimize you know as little going through probate as possible type intergenerational capital transfer process and you know stuff stuff where you wouldn't just you wouldn't have time to cover that kind of more advanced material if you're spending a whole bunch more time just on the basics of what is a whole life policy and mm-hmm. what and what's a PUA rider and so I think that's great I think that 
that threshold is, is rising. I get we get more I get more and more people all the time who already have some, but oftentimes a significant amount of the vocabulary necessary to I don't want to say criticize like in a negative sense, but to, to like volunteer voluntarily provide a criticism of what they have done in the past and like what was wrong with it, right? Whether it's in whole life or whether it's just in conventional financial type things, tax qualified plans, like they're providing a report, an yeah. analysis of their own prior decisions <coughs> and saying, yeah. I've learned this, this, and this, and this is what well, I see. And they're trying to help you help them, Yeah, you know, so... That's important. But it's the coolest. I mean, I come at this, you know, economist background, wanted to be a professor. I mean, the coolest part in teaching, this happened a lot in mock trial too, where teaching just rhetoric, uh, when people start to ask the right questions. What? You know, or you can see the, you can, and as, I'm not saying I know everything, but I'm, yeah. I've got a good sense of how the thought process should evolve and unfold to get to where people do want to go. And to see that happening with people is really cool. I had a call yesterday with a returning client uh, and you could just tell by the kinds of questions he was asking. He was trying to get his arms. He had a big change in income, right? Big, it wasn't a promotion, but he started a new position with an old friend. Who positive had a change. Yeah, great positive increase. And, you know, he's young. So he's trying to get his arms around what that increase in oncoming cash flow meant in terms of his ability to pay additional premium. Of course, at the same time, uh, he's expecting a, a new child, right? So there's this, there's a degree of uncertainty. The new position yep. is is brand new. And so there's a degree of uncertainty there. And so it's the, and he was using this terminology. He was bringing this to me, you know, yep. trying to get his arms around both the uncertainty involved, but also taking into consideration the much greater ability to pay premium and trying to walk through, okay, well then how in that sort of mess of circumstance do we determine the actual specific premium number? And then of course embedded in that, the, the design of the structure of it, you know, how do you get from there to here? Yeah. And, you know, I had some walk through some of the things I would ordinarily walk through with people to give structure to that process, but you could tell it was much more just slotting in stuff. He had the structure. The, the mental infrastructure was there, yeah. and it was just slotting in and reaffirming what he knew. And by the end of the call, you know, 30, 40 minutes, he had a very clear idea of how that would unfold. He was early, right? It wasn't time yet. It was he needed more time in the new position to feel good about the ongoing viability of that cash flow, right? go let the wife have the child and see what that's like, you know, adjust to those, start the adjustment process. Go let those her circumstances. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, you'll have some understand some experiential understanding, not just predictive understanding of what that's like. And then we can revisit. And with that, with that mental infrastructure already there, the right premium number and the, type of expansion or who do we get the policies on yeah. all becomes very natural very clear yeah it becomes much more clear <clears throat> that's pretty much uh i mean don't you experience that with all clients that are expanding their yes. knowledge yeah you know and the way i say it is <clears throat> you know because when we first start you know we 
we only know what we've read and listened and watched and studied. And um, there's always an element of disbelief, doubt, a little bit of faith, mm-hmm. you know, in whom you work with, if this thing even can work like it's being promoted. Um, and sometimes it can't because the, the error is in the promotion, not in the concept. Um, you know, and <clears throat> I say, you know, and people typically start too small, very common. But if they start, right, even though you've gone through all of this, the premium, the liquidity, the duration, the, who's insured, who owns it. And you go through all that in the beginning. And part, a part of that process is you're going to get around to an illustration. You're just not starting there. Mm-hmm. So they see the numbers. They get the the uh, intellectual understanding, although a lot of it's anecdotal. And um, it's new. So it's all different. And you have all that. But once they get going and have that experience, then it becomes clearer. They become more comfortable. And then they actually take action. They're actually collateralizing, maybe or maybe not. Maybe the collateralization is in the future for some purpose. But maybe they take a loan just to see and walk through that. Whatever it is they do, right? They're paying a premium, number one, and they're online looking at all the cash values and everything. Um, So their comfort level goes up. Yeah. And then when it actually works in a particular individual situation, whatever it may be, then their confidence level goes up, mm-hmm. you know, and then that experience of paying a premium, moving up and down our premium with a premium, whatever their experience is, um, you know, that's on top of their previous understanding, but it becomes easier and easier, especially, you know, whenever you, uh, for me, I'll speak for myself. You know, after the about the fourth year and I'm buying the sixth, seventh, eighth policy, I don't even care anymore. Yeah. You know, just because the companies may be different and there may be, you know, different particulars of a PUA rider or a process, loan process, whatever it is. Um, but it's always the case when, for me, when people expand, they, and it's a great thing, they are, you know, conveying what they think and it's, uh, pretty good, and then there's just minor adjustments. Yeah, little course, thinking. little course corrections, checking each other's work. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's like the it's like I think I always go back to like a classroom type example, but where you know a professor gives homework, and then you know you go work individually, but then you're allowed to work together, and you can check each other's work, kind of thing, before you ultimately turn it in. And then there's another layer of yeah. verification, and like. At the by the end of the course, you know you're supposed to really be on top of it. it it's that kind of developmental process, yep. and you know they call there's the Nelson Nash Institute IBC practitioner, right? Capital P practitioner type thing. But really, the policy owner becomes a practitioner in the literal sense of the word, right? And he, it's very I really enjoy watching that process go from totally uninitiated. Yep neophyte just know nothing know very little right to and it kind of like starstruck like is this even possible like oh my gosh right fascinated type awestruck and then to student really studying right understanding building an understanding intellectual just get soaking in the knowledge mm-hmm. right understanding the mechanics how the different things work together to 
at the end of underwriting, starting into the life of a policy, really practicing and, and practicing the small things first, just paying the premium, right? Just paying the PUA. That's a big deal. I mean, everybody wants to, you know, capitalize as soon as possible. I get it, including me, but I'm not going to jeopardize the stability of the policy or increase the future fragility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, you know, there's a reason, and I can't, you know, I made notes today, right? And things I might bring up. But, uh, you know, there's a reason um, Nelson has, you know, talked about patient capital. And you have to have capital to perform and control the banking function. So the shouldn't the whole focus be on premium payment, mm-hmm. you know, thinking long range and not being afraid to capitalize? I mean, that is short rift, you know I mean? It's just... Quite often that the importance of that is jumped over yeah, building capital. I don't care what's going on. You don't have enough capital for whatever it is. You you don't you may not even know what you're going to do in the future. Right. But it's going to take capital. It's very analogous. To, it's like the emphasis on cash value over premium is really analogous to like on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and all the various, you know, platforms the emphasis on profit over value creation, right? It's always about, you know, what's the number on the quarterly report or at the end of the day or when everything is said and done. And we skip clean over everything that has to be done to create the value in the first place. And it's the same kind of deal, right? We we emphasize cash value, skipping clean over the fact that really it's all coming from whether a premium was paid and for how long it's been paid and what the magnitude was. And yeah. Yep. But it's really cool to see. And then with so somebody who is at a relatively advanced stage in in being a practitioner themselves, who's, you know, they've taken loans, they've made loan repayments. And now there's a transformation in their financial circumstance. There's additional cash flow. There's new people in the family. Right. There's the it's time to expand the system. Well, that's just another stage in the development and that practice you know, small P practitioner, literal practitioner's development. And it's just very cool to see. And it, it, but to have those kinds of, those are different kinds of conversations. Let's say that, right? Absolutely. Those kinds of conversations are very different than from somebody who's just starting. And that just because of historical circumstance and the timing of all of this, there's not many people uh, of an agent's capacity, you know, in the capacity of an agent who have experienced those different kinds of conversations. And so there's this appearance, there's this sort of presumption that all it is to be an agent, to be someone who provides policies built for the IBC is to have those initial ones, right? To, to onboard the brand new uninitiated. When yeah. in fact... There's this whole developmental arc that someone will go through, right? And a lot where where the advisory conversations are different in content and character. If if, if those advisory conversations are taking place, right? Yes, right? and that's it, that's kind of what I mean. Is like if if we don't have an appreciation of what the of how that development, how that transformation can look if we don't take that into consideration that it can be different that it's going to grow it's going to be nuanced there's going to be different particularities and that that the relationship five to ten years out is going to look a lot different than it did just when one got their first policy if that's not taken into consideration if someone's if an agent is just hyper focused on place the first policy then the 
probability they're going to wander off, you know, beyond the horizon off into the wilderness is very high. Yeah. Right. The outcome could be much better. I mean, we're all going to go through the learning curve and, and I believe, uh, and I've come to believe this, right? <clears throat> that if you work with a, an experienced and a knowledgeable agent and advisor, and I'm, th- and, and that's very broad and experienced, maybe they're doing it themselves. Maybe they've done it themselves for a while knowledgeable you know maybe they've been in the life insurance but they're actually life insurance agents since we're writing life insurance and using life insurance to practice becoming our own banker and actually controlling the banking function now that's more narrow but those are we can pick each one of those words apart and go very deep Mm -hmm. okay now this learning curve that we're all going to go through and we're all we're we're all going to pay for education we're all going to go through it if you work, in my opinion, if you work with a knowledgeable, experienced agent, advisor, that learning curve will shorten tremendously mm. by like maybe 10 or 15 years is what I believe. I believe I can knock 10 years off of someone's learning curve. I think that's legitimate because, you know, you've had some guests on the show. We've talked with other people just in a private kind of context at various conferences and you know, here I am, be 31 in July, and, you know, I'm I'm listening to other people talk about their experience, and it's like, oh, hmm, you know, that, I think for, just speaking of my own experience, I, you have had that effect on me, right, personally, directly. So I, I think that's evidence that that is absolutely the case, right? If you have a good teacher, advi- whatever word you want to use, advisor, coach, whatever, uh, yeah, that learning curve does shorten, it and does. you can build you can oh you can build a better foundation from the get go, right? And not have to go through all of what I hear about yeah. from other clients who, or other new clients who are sort of, you know, telling their tale, you know, everything that they've had to go <laughs> well, through. Well, they, you know, they don't. Uh, Typically, they don't have the opportunity to share that type of experience. I mean, who are they going to share it with besides their family and their spouses are like, I'm tired of you talking about it. I'm tired of listening. Right? Yeah. Or I told you if it goes wrong, you know, I told you not to do that, whatever the case may be. They can't talk to all their friends at work. They can't talk to their colleagues, right. you know, I mean, and they may not want to talk to the previous people that or in. You know, that that relationship should be, I'm not saying it doesn't can't get contentious sometimes because of misunderstandings, hurt feelings or expectations out of line or not aligned. Um, but maybe they can have that conversation. Maybe I maybe I got a couple of policies right and several years ago. But I've what I've learned since between then and now, you know, I might not have done that that particular way. And so, you know, you engage with uh, someone like myself or you and it's like, well, this is what I've done. And um, you can have that conversation deeper compared to going back to the original agent that created all that because then he would or they would be in a very defensive position. This is what we did and that's why we did it, you know. And um, so I'm just saying that who you can have that conversation with is a small pool of people. It is. It is. And and I genuinely, generally, genuinely mean this, like whomever somebody goes and talks to, like these are things that I would just suggest people do. Like there's a part in the book, the whole last chapter is about here's how you should go and approach an agent. Like here's, 
you know, here's questions to ask. I, I think there's a, you know, whole life is brand new to most people. It's got a trash reputation in the financial community. It, no one's ever heard of the infinite banking concept where it's Lone Ranger syndrome all over the place. And so, you know, all of this is unique and previously not heard of before for most people. And then it's a, it's a unusual type financial transaction you know it's a, a an advisory relationship you know we're not going to walmart and pulling something off the shelf you know the, it yes it's a contract there's a piece of paper although it's probably digital now and but it's not a tangible thing it's extremely conceptual and it's it's procedural and there's a process that's going to happen over time and so it's very unusual it's more of a professional type relationship but even then in the, if you think of the different kinds of professional relationships you have all of that is very uh, oftentimes very deliverable oriented, right? If there's a, if it's a legal type matter, well, there's a case and there's an outcome. If it's an accountant, there's, well, you, you know, you're going to do a tax filing and, you know, there's, and yes, in life insurance, there's the policies that's, there's of course a deliverable, but the, the nature of that, this ongoing professional relationship is different than you often would, the, the context is different than you'd find in other professional type relationships. And so I think that there's a just a lack of conversation about how to how best to approach those relationships as a consumer. Yeah. Right. You what, mean, and I, keep your thought, but I'm, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. There's not a call to action in the back of your book that says call you. Oh, there's, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like a web. There's an email, but that's a, it's it's very I mean. Do what you're going to do, you know. Yeah, no, no uh, call to action. Okay. No click right. funnel. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the professional context is just very unusual. It's very long-term oriented. It's very personal. Right? We're talking about your money, uh, probably talking about family relationships and life circumstances. So it's very personal, uh, very private, and in the best case, going to take place and unfold over time. And so how does somebody go and have that conversation? How best do you prepare to have those kinds of conversations? And speaking from experience, but then also just observing what's out there, no one ever talks about that. What? Like, <laughs> like how, do I, how do I approach? I'm continually shocked in these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what kind of questions do I ask? Sure. What, what? What sort of like personality disposition do I take? You know, am I going to be aggressive? Do I need to be tough? You know, or is it, am I just, do I just come totally transparent? Do I bring everything to the table right away? And, you know, information flood the poor guy. And, you know, how do you do that? Like, and, and then specifically, what particular question, like what words do I use yeah. in the questions that I should ask? No, that's, that's <laughs> this is important, you know, uh, me, my, you know, myself included. I mean, we're all, you know, alike in that if there's if I if I have an interest in something, it, may, it could be traveling to Europe. It could be whatever that I have an interest in. Um, and I don't know the particular country, but I, I don't know this particular thing that I have an interest in. Um, I, therefore, don't necessarily have the best construction of a question right i don't know how to ask necessarily the question i mean i can try and I, i'm very inquisitive and I'll, I'll get it done and you know we can all get it done but um helping 
people or giving examples of how to formulate questions, you know, because maybe you want the answer to this, how do you get to that answer? You know, it's not necessarily just a straightforward yes or no question. Yeah. That's, that's invaluable. Yeah. And I have some suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, one of them is look for a process. Uh, There's a thing called opportunity cost, right? The value of the foregone alternative. Uh, Somebody who is a professional in their business, whatever particular kind of business or industry it is, has a high opportunity cost, right? They could be doing a lot with that next unit of time that they're spending on you instead of doing something else, right? And and a real professional is sort of defined by having a high opportunity cost, very specialized, high value per unit of time. And because of that, you know- That's uh, making my heart race. Yeah, well, a (laughs) professional who, uh, for whom that, who. who fits that description must by necessity develop a process where we can economize on time, where time is used uh, as efficiently as possible because time wasted is extremely costly. It could have been spent generating value somewhere else. And so a, a true professional who has expertise, who knows that there's a high time value of money will have a process for that reason. So if you come to somebody and say, you know, you know, describe to me how this would work. You know, if we if we conditional setups are always great. If we went forward, if we wanted to work together, what would that look like? You know, we're just hypothesizing here. Well, there needs to be a pretty crisp, clean answer, right? Here's the process and a crisp, clean answer will have, you know, particular events, you know, a certain kind of call or a certain kind of in-person meeting or video call, whatever it is, but a a nice, well-thought-out process will have a specified number of specific kinds of events, maybe even with specified durations, right? And, And all somebody with the process should be able to pretty quickly, pretty cleanly paint that picture of what that process looks like. So, I mean, notice that that's not even content related, right? That's not even a question about, you know, tell me about how a whole life policy works. That's yeah. that's form related. It's process related. And, you, and it a question like that serves as a great proxy for the content, right? Like if somebody has a very clean, precise process, the likelihood that they know their stuff <laughs> goes up dramatically, mm-hmm. right? Because it's the people who have the high opportunity costs, who are experts in the content, who by economic necessity will develop the process, right? So if you check for the process first, it's a good indication, a good proxy. Well, that may be that they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? And and, and even better, even better than <laughs> having having the specified process would be a rationale or an explanation for why the process is the way it is. Right. So don't just read me the recipe. Don't just say, here, these are the steps we're going to take. Yeah. But I'm it, when I as a consumer ask that question, hey, what's this look like? I'm not just looking for the particular structure of the process. I'm looking for some rationale that motivated the process in the first place. Right? Like, why would we take that particular form? 
right? And if you can get both, if you can get the structure and the form of the process and then some rationale that seems sensible for the process, okay, now we're starting to cook with grease. Right now we're starting he's to all, he's turn Southern boy right there. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get that Texas yeah. off of you if you spend many years. But that's just one thing. That's one yeah. way to start to get a feel for, and it is a feel, right? It's an intuitive thing. It's hard to put in words. It's hard to put on paper. But you know, when you're trying to evaluate, would this be a good fit? We even use words like, "What do you mean a good fit?" Like, there's not a that's not a literal thing, like a hand in glove. That's like a literal, my hand in the glove fits well. But like a good fit with an advisor, what do you, it's a, it's metaphorical language. Like we yeah. don't even have good ways of expressing what a nice, a, a desirable relationship with an advisor would look like or with any kind of professional. Asking questions about process is a great way to start to get that intuitive feel. That's part of the vetting process. It should be. Should I be. mean, I appreciate that. And, uh, um, it makes me want to like answer why we have a process, <laughs> and what the process is. And now all the agents listening, I know you have a process, but you know, um, you should improve it. Right. And speaking to myself too, it's all in love, but it's a, uh, it's the, uh, constraint of time. Yes. You know, I mean, there's, that's no question. It's a constraint of time. And if you don't have a process, you know, there's just more things that are the, possibility is going to go up that things are going to go wrong and the probability is going to go up mm -hmm. of things not going correctly and so then if things don't go as expected or um and because there's some moving parts in the beginning right going this learning curve understanding of what you're doing why you're doing it why why that why does it look like that what are we going to do in the unknown future and all the future is unknown but to make all that happen, you know, you got to come up with a premium. You got to capitalize the policy. You got to go through underwriting. And, you know, 2023 is just not like pre-COVID in the medical era. And then, uh, let's say the medical era in the, in the medical field, you know, the, there's a shortage of nurses. There's a shortage of doctors and medical records and HIPAA and all of that. It takes longer to go through underwriting typically, right? So some – and there's moving parts in there. So some expectations can, uh, you know, not align with what maybe you expect. Um, generally, the underwriting process is very, very easy, but it's a process, right? And, and this whole process of which, you know, you're talking about, I'm just talking about at the very beginning, you know, this whole process, once you get a policy, once you've determined and you have the understanding and you're comfortable and you put your hand to the plow, you've chosen who you're going to work with and all of the reasons why, and they're clear. This is like, why Why is there a process? What to expect in the process? You know, what if things go wrong? Oh, wait, well, there's a process for that. You know, there's the exception to the exception to the exception. You know, this is what we want, mm -hmm. what we think we mm -hmm. want. And then that's even being checked a couple of times, yeah. right? But then now you're just really at the beginning because now you can go capitalize to become your own banker, to finance, to begin controlling mm -hmm. the banking function in the process or the part of the process that you're specifically talking about the way I understand it is this relationship. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. You know, we have those conversations daily. I mean, that conversation is a part of our process. You know, people look at me, James, you got white hair. You know, you're going to die tomorrow. Well, I don't know. It's God's business, right? Not mine, <laughs> not yours. Um, but if I do pass away, you know, 
come to my funeral, okay, or what? I'm, <laughs> my whole point here is um, I'm going to be like my mentor. I'm going to be like my mentor, graduated 88 with four unfinished projects. His mentor graduated age 85. You know, so I'm not going anywhere. And because you have processes, because processes exist, and part of that process is the educational learning curve to shorten that, right? Mm -hmm. Not to create dependency upon a process or, you know, upon anything, especially, you know, an advisor or agent. You do not want to be dependent upon anyone. You especially do not want to be dependent upon a financial advisor, in my opinion, right? Well, so I'm just saying there's a lot of moving parts to the process, but this idea of becoming your own banker in the unknown future, things change, interest rates go up, interest rates go down, you can't control them anyway, maybe you want that new shiny object, maybe you want that automobile, or oh wait, no, I changed my mind, I want this, and just to have someone to bounce off ideas, you know, it's really consulting, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that reminds me of all of this conversation reminds me, and I know I brought it up before, but I mean, legitimately, you know, we hosted, I hosted Nelson probably 30 something times, went to as many as I could go. And, and I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, you know, back in the day, that was the only way you could hear Nelson live is if, you know, you sponsored him and put a group together and put him in front of the group. Right. Um, and, it's even a challenge today sometimes to get a lot of people in the room, mm-hmm. right? It was a challenge back then, too. You want to go talk about what? Life insurance? Anyway, and I had a conversation. I had many conversations, but one in particular way back in the day was uh, Ricky. I mean, hadn't talked to him in a while. I'm sure he won't. Anyway, he was in Nacogdoches, Texas, so that's all I'm going to say. Early on, and uh, he put together a seminar with Nelson. He even built a room, right, in his office, right? Uh, and uh, I say built the room. He named the room, the 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 educational room, the seminar room, the big room where everybody would go, the Nelson Nash room, right? I'm, I'm, and so anyhow, he brought Nelson to town one time, and I went down there two or three times. It was about a four-hour drive from here. And uh, I didn't go to this one. And nobody else did, too. That's my point. No one came, hmm. right? And we spoke after that, and to Ricky and I'm like well what'd you do he said it's the greatest thing ever my daughter had like 10 uninterrupted hours me my my daughter and myself 10 uninterrupted hours with Nelson Nash and okay I'll round this out all of these events that I had hosted Nelson you know I picked him up at the airport you know we would go to dinner we would go to breakfast we'd go to the do the seminar, do the event, and then I would take him back to the airport. I'm an hour, hour and 15 minutes away from the airport. I'm telling you the amount of time before and after was a beautiful thing. That even reminds me of, uh, I don't want to get my question, but I don't want to forget my question. But uh, he, he shared with me one time, he said, James, most people go to events to be entertained. Mm. Right? The ones that come to learn you know, there's always the event, there's always a seminar, there's always the event, right? But then there's the event after the event. The people who came that didn't come to be entertained, and it would be a whole nother event. He got uh, Leonard Reed told him that. You know, that one person or that 10 people or the five people that are really trying to, you know, res- they resonate and they want to connect and they want to do whatever, you know, 
there's the event, then the event after the event. It was pretty cool, and I find that to be true. So, which, which has helped me, you know, I mean, I don't, when I speak, I don't try to entertain people, right? All right. All that of this comes naturally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not trying to make enemies either, okay? Uh, that just comes naturally, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the nicest guys I know. Uh, one time I was with Nelson, and I, and I asked him, I said, Nelson, why life insurance? And, I mean, why life insurance? That's a, a legitimate question, especially since it was mine. I thought it was a great question. I wanted the answer. Nelson, why life insurance? And he said, James, I've learned more from life insurance agents than any other financial advisor I've worked with. And this was before he became an agent. Right. I mean, not when I asked the question, but he didn't become an agent until 1964. You know, he's already bought lots of policies and practiced banking, and um, which is here is a greater point that I want to get to. And I'm sure I've said this. So I, don't, I don't have anything new for you, okay? But maybe I'll throw something out that's new, like a, you know, what do you call those little things that you, like an egg, right? I might throw out oh, an egg. Yeah. Okay. So you go to a physician, uh, whatever specialty they practice, man, they've got to have a deep, deep bank of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Then you go to like a general practitioner. They have to have a bit broader, not quite as deep, but broader. Then you go to, uh, you know, uh like a, a general surgeon. They've got to have a broader than a general practitioner, deeper than the general practitioner, but maybe not as deep as, you know, the neurologist. All right. Now apply that, and I'm not, I mean, just apply that to the infinite banking world. Apply that to the life insurance world. You know, <clears throat> life insurance is a component in all the educational materials out there for an advisor. And we've talked about this many times in the CFP, the CFA, the the depth of knowledge on life insurance is about as shallow as it can be. <laughs> we'll talk about term, talk about whole life, and then we'll talk about an islet, you know, an irrevocable life insurance. So you can place a life insurance policy in the trust, therefore reduce your estate values. Nowhere ever is banking talked about. No. Ever. Okay, so my point here is when, you know, you've got this broad knowledge in the financial world, okay, well, maybe you do retirement planning or whatever it is. I know most financial people are all things to all people. Well, that's a generalist then, right? They've got to have a broad knowledge, but it doesn't have to be that deep until they run into a particular problem. Then they call everybody that, you know, supports them to get you know, this particular case put together. And I'm just sharing, you know, my experience, okay, and my belief, what I've experienced, what I've come to believe. Okay. So now, it, and maybe you do estate planning as a financial advisor. Now you got to have a deeper knowledge on, you know, generational wealth transfer, generation, you know, skipping taxes, you know, estate valuations, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's say you're going to practice the infinite banking concept. You're going to go very deep in life insurance, 
right? Especially dividend paying whole life insurance issued by a mutual company. Well, the deeper you go on there, it requires a broader knowledge. You got to have some under, you don't have to practice law, but you got to have some understanding of estate planning and estate valuations and transfer of ownership, transfer of assets. Then you're talking, I don't know, maybe more than one generation. You know, I go to the doctor and I talk to him generationally. He's going to talk about, you know, uh, diseases that are hereditary or personal health habits that you know should pass on i mean it's going beyond one generation but not near as deep as the infinite banking practitioner large p should be able to go Mm -hmm. yeah there's a there's it's a lot and i remember you know six years ago starting out being like oh it is a lot but to really all of those various considerations have to be we we have to take into consideration all those various factors estate planning and and just like ordinary financing of asset purchases like what's a what's a loan agreement look like with the auto lender you know how how do i go find the you know interest as a percentage of the principal and calculate the true interest cost like, now wait we're not we don't want to talk about volume we want to talk yeah. about rate uh, what do i expect there but <laughs> credit that, cards yeah so the the and the conventional financial planning world doesn't consider any of that anyway right that the, the and i was laughing a bit when you talk about cf and i always have to smile when i hear about cfp certified finan- you know someone certified them oh that's good well i you know i've taken Maybe it was a mistake, maybe not, but taking some of these courses that, you know, the American college requires and there's material in there that's just wrong. Like what? in with in relation to life insurance, so I, I see those little parts, and then I'm wondering, well, how much of this other stuff is right? It's like, so yeah, there, and rarely is there ever even a mention of a PUA rider or anything like that. That's where the dividends go. Nothing more. That's one line. Yeah. So it's really unfortunate but yeah the you know getting back to that idea of how to navigate a professional relationship and what recommendations are we talk about checking for process and the rationale behind the process another thing i would suggest is don't get married to your convictions right whoa 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 whoa, whoa. let's go a little deeper on that i'm married to a couple of them well that's been all (laughs) but i'll explain when the, the the time is right to do that right uh, it's not when you just first start learning about something. No. Uh, that's a great time to just date those ideas. Right? <laughs> Kick just, them around. Just flirt. swap left on most of them. Yeah. Right. Loosen the grip. Yeah. Flirt a little bit, you know, uh, and then and, and be open armed. Be open. Well, listen, how much, how much time do you have in your process for people to flirt a little bit? Well, there's a, this goes hand in hand with another recommendation, which is to do your preliminary research. Oh, okay. Right. And so the, the, the vetting, you know, the dating, you know, the time on the app swiping, uh, you know, that's a part of the process too. And, and you don't have to find and, and maybe shouldn't find total conviction that early on. Can it work? You know? Love at first sight. People get married right away. Stay married fifty years and pass. Does it happen? Sure, I've heard stories. Uh, <laughs> is it? Does it happen a lot? Uh, no. And so it's okay to 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 flirt and be open minded, open armed, open handed at that point. But you're not gripping that, on to convictions, right? And then and then importing them into a new advisory conversation, right? So. I always, I can tell whether that's happened 
when someone has a first call with me and they they use the words I know and I need and this must right conviction type absolute conviction yeah absolutes conviction type phrases where you know right you've you know you spent three months online watching TikTok videos and now you know it's like probably not right uh, maybe maybe well they know what they listen to yeah. And so, but even if maybe. you encounter, yeah. even if you encounter something that maybe it's this podcast, maybe it's something else, the mechanic series, whatever that you find extremely compelling and you feel like, wow, that really is right. Okay, great. What I'm saying is keep a loose grip. And when you go to talk to an advisor, present the idea that you think you're so convicted about in that open-minded, open-armed, open-handed type format, right? I think I need, I've heard, uh, I, for instance, I've heard that it it may be it may be right. There's this era this era of uh, it might be that way, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? Maybe it's it's better to have a very long term oriented uh, base premium payment timeline, right? I've heard this idea of a policy being paid up very late in life. Uh, it seems like it seems like right. It seems this way. It's not necessarily this way but it seems like that would mean i could pay premium for a very long time and premium payment seems to be a good thing so if if it is then maybe i want to do it for a long time what do you think about that right to the advisor right so i just i'm presenting an idea it's not here's my i love it let's i'll show you how that happens yeah it's not presented as a this is the way it's going to be. Right. You know, it's not tyrannical. It's not authoritative. It's not oppressive. It's just how sig- much time do you have in your process for that? The, 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 we the, this this is embedded yeah. throughout the process, right? Because exactly. the, these type of suggestive, you know, it, it all comes back to what Nelson said. If you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. It's this very bottom up idea where the quality of the idea is provides the guiding direction right if we don't need to impose something top down it doesn't need to be you will do this this is how it's done no explanation you know just accept it or else it's here's the idea here's why here's how here's the context here's how the idea compares to others and here's the underlying rationale right if if that if that's all done well then the direction becomes clear i mean because i have some clients who will and it's, I don't think they like, it's not like malicious. They don't, but they, one of the first questions is, how, you know, how much should I pay? And it's like, I have no idea, right? And, and nor will I ever tell you that, right? There's not, you're not going to be taking instruction from me. That's not what this is, right? There's going to be this unfolding, uh, evolving developmental process where I love this phrase of, a you know, developing a higher and higher resolution, right? A more clear and clear picture where all, you know, the right number will become clear. And by the way, you're going to tell me what it is and you're going to tell me the structure and you're going to, all of that's going to come from you. My role is to help develop the conceptual understanding, to develop the contextual understanding you know, how the industry works, the things that we have to accept, right? We have to accept modified endowment contract rules. We have to accept the way cash value grows in a policy. There are certain sort of, uh, would you say, exogenous or given dynamics, things that we've got to just understand for the way they are. And then given that, that 
understanding at, at, a, at, a, at the level of rationale, right? Not just at the superficial level of that's how it is, right. but the, here's why things are the way they are. Those two things combined, plus your circumstances, all your peculiarities, individual circumstances, those two things put together at the end of a at the end of a well structured process, the direction will become very clear. I would only so, add to that the unknown future. Yeah, yeah. That the, every all of this is imbued with that, right? Like your income now is not what it's going to be a year, exactly. or two, or three exactly. years, or all of that's going to change, and that should be taken into consideration in a in a in my view in a specific part of the process when you're designing policies. But getting back to the original point there. Of, of don't get married too early to your convictions that can be used in any kind of professional relationship. Cause by the way, if you come to someone who really knows their stuff and you've got all of your instructions for them, uh, it's not the likelihood that that's going to work well is very low, right? Like you, you don't go to a heart surgeon and tell him how he's going to, you know, tear apart your insides, right? It's you, you go a little more open-minded, right? You don't go to the mechanic and say, you know, do this, that, you know, skilled professionals are not order takers. Somebody who wants to be an order taker is who, who wants to be a yes man is looking to get paid quickly. And maybe that works, but I don't know that that's the best set up for an optimal outcome. So this kind of my uh, belief is that this kind of approach, this kind of open handed approach where it's suggestive, you know, I've heard this idea that what do you think? Right. And then always looking for rationale. I had a client. I don't know if he got this from me. I don't know if you heard this on here, but he goes, uh, what does solving the banking function mean to you? Mm. And I'm like, what a good question. Like, yeah. And so I gave him my view. This is a capitalization strategy. It's what it's what all of conventional finance neglects, control over more and more financial value of a high quality nature, meaning easily accessible, uh, transforms the economic landscape, like things that like, we go all into that. But it was a great question. Yeah. And I'm like, is the only is literally the only time I've ever been asked that by a new client, hmm. and I'm like, wow, you know, what if, what would other people say? What, you know, do people have answers for that? You know, how many, uh, maybe relatively less optimal relationships could have been avoided if that question were presented up front from the beginning? You know, anyway, I think really good open by really good I mean precise but open ended, you know not married to convictions type questions, searching for process and searching for rationale for the process all up front. And you've asked a couple of times, well, you know, how much time do you have that for that in your process? These things don't take long, you know, in my view. So they're not built into your process. No, this is handled in the first step. Yes. This is handled right up front. No question. Where it's, <laughs> that was, it doesn't uh, need to take a long time. It shouldn't take a long yeah. time, and it doesn't take a long time unless there's some or, ulterior motive or you know misunderstanding or out of line expectation. Yeah. You know that the look I I jotted down a few notes which I rarely do, but you know I do sometimes, um, which fits right in with our conversation. The uh, the infinite banking concept, right? Becoming your own banker is still relatively new and unheard of yeah yes it's become uh people the general public 
and even in the financial world, you know, it's getting more and more notice, right? Um, so it's ever expanding the uh, people that are being exposed to it. But it's still in its infancy, in my opinion. This idea that you can control the banking function, the idea that you can become your own banker. So uh, the the I think your book is going to help um, just expand the uh, frontiers of knowledge for someone. I mean, that's why I get up every weekend almost and record things, mm-hmm. you know, to put it out there in the big wide world. Um, yes, I get flack. I get it. But I love you anyway. Right. Um, but I'm just saying even so, it, you know, to the consumer, it's foreign, right? Counterintuitive, the opposite of what you've been told to do, the opposite of what you may have been doing for years. Um, so there's that learning curve, but then there's anything, everything new, there's an automatic resistance typically, mm-hmm. right? And then there has to be a, a discount to it. And then it takes time before, oh, yeah, everybody should be doing this. It exists in the <laughs> financial world too, right? Because in the financial world, however they practice a financial professional, you know, they have their own particular views and experience with life insurance and what they do or what they don't do, you know, what they don't like, yeah. what they've chosen. Which the company like. pays the highest commission. Yeah, with the closed hand, you know, they're <laughs> – okay. Um, and I think that this immaturity is of the concept being – people being exposed to it, the, the, the uh, breadth of the exposure, you know, still juvenile, infantile in my mind, because you can you can see if you just step back and, and as an agent or advisor, you experience this daily with the people that you engage with, right? The people they're sharing with you where they're at, what they understand um, and have for the last six years, right? Um, you can see that, you know, as an agent advisor in your own daily practice. Um, you can also see it in the financial world, how financial professionals, you know, you know, yeah, they want to get paid commission or whatever it is, or, you know, I think this is the only way to do things or the best way to do things and life insurance, just life insurance, whatever is between their ears, you know, this closed um, preconceived idea that, you know, I'm not going to change. You can even see their knowledge within the industry, even with the life insurance home office companies and all the VPs and the RVPs. And um, you can see their maturity over the years. Mm. Right. Uh, just like you would see the and I'm not I'm not being negative. I'm just being observational that you can see the maturity in, in the thinking, the development of the thinking, the increasing of the complexity and even the nuances, which is very important. There's a lot of nuances, especially on this podcast, in my opinion. Um, that's why people tell me all the time. I listen to it two or three times. It's great. I love it. And there's not enough content out there. I get it. But you can see the development of your clients, especially when they come back. You know, they have a it with clients for sure. But tell me more of what you mean by this home office thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what I mean by that is uh, like, you know, the big blue out there, the big company that released that memo in January. So important. It was a first memo, first field memo they released where they, you know, won't allow their agents to talk about banking or whatever. Mm -hmm. Big life insurance company. Right. Well, obviously, they knowledge repels them or whatever. Um, but that's an immature thinking. You know, they're they're holding on to their pre- preconceived ideas and maybe their past experiences with 
you know, leveraged life insurance policies. There's nothing new right under the sun. So there was the banking function, controlling the banking function, didn't, wasn't taught prior to on a large scale prior to Nelson Nash. The idea that you could borrow, if you have a cash value, it's a contractual right that you have in that life insurance contract to collateralize that cash value. There's nothing new, right? So these life insurance companies have had a cash value for a long time. And then they've had a loan provision for a long time. So they have a particular, historically, an experience with leveraged policies and outstanding uh, loans against policies. And obviously it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. You know, not to mention the fact that, you know, they pay a certain dividend rate that they have to supplement um, from other parts of their enterprise, and they can't lower that because of who they are, the dividend, right? And so they don't want a bunch of outstanding loans. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I'll go deeper into that later. But my point is, other companies, right, that that uh, early on that um, – were exposed to Nelson's work and the two mutual companies that he went through his career with, they shut him down. You know, they're like, nope, you know, the arrival syndrome, you can't tell me anything about life insurance. I work in the home office. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there are other companies that, that listened to it and listened to Nelson and said, yeah, we'll embrace the idea. Maybe a couple of them just need a premium dollars. I don't know. But <laughs> you can see how the life insurance companies I have seen, how life insurance companies react to their experiences with agents that practice the infinite banking concept. Yeah. And you can see the maturity. A couple of them have developed products. I'm not saying they're the best products developed, but specifically for the infinite banking concept. Yeah. It always, uh, you know, you put, so they go from infantile maybe to juvenile, to but ju- they're adolescent. still <laughs> adolescent. There you go. But there's still growth and maturity that, that can be seen and observed. Mm-hmm. Right. Even with the life insurance companies, yeah. even with the uh, financial agent and advisor out there, and in in my point here, I want to I want to a point here is you can see some of the easy early mistakes that are common when I first am exposed to this. Man, I got to get everything in as pay a premium as short as possible, get as much cash value as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And the riders be damned or the construction be damned. Oh, you're getting lost in the weeds if you want to talk about all these things and riders. And then, no, all of that matters. But you can, I'm just, my point here is you can see the maturity of the industry right? and the, the, the concept being in, out into the general public and the general public being exposed to it. And you can see it individually. We all experience it. You know, what I knew 20 years ago is sure as heck not what I know today. Thank God. Yeah. Right. That's my point. And, well, I don't want to, you keep going. I don't want to. No, it's a, there's a growing mm-hmm. impact for sure. And it comes, it comes with all of its challenges, you know, as, as there are any kind of challenges in developmental maturity. <laughs> well, you can tell where like an advisor is or an agent yeah. by the way they construct policies. Yes. Right. And when you see these, <laughs> if your policy looks like your policy looks like your policy looks like your policy by structure, they're wrong. Just straight out, they're wrong, right? But that's the maturity or the experience level um, or could be a character issue too, I guess. I don't want to jump over that, of where they're at. Yeah. And even in the, the, I mean, the structure, 
I don't want to be like, we're paving the way, but like the, the <laughs> premium structure conversation, there's no formality to it. Like there's, this is not a standardized part of the language of the industry. Life insurance companies, home, like some of the relatively more attentive home office staff will talk in terms of premium structure, but that's only because they know the agents are communicating in that language. And there's no formality to it. Like, you know, if I say 40, 60, I might, I do mean that 40% of the total annual outlay is going to cover the base and the term writer if there is one premiums together as perfectly as possible. And then 60% is the PUA. That's how I communicate structure, but that's not how everybody communicates. Somebody structure. could take that 40, 60, where 40% of the base is the base only, and 60 is the PUA in the term. And the term, yeah. Right. So then you don't even see the use. Well, or they might switch it around entirely. The first number could be the PUA. Yeah. The second number could be the, the term pre premium may not even fit anywhere in there. Uh, and it, it gets even more difficult if it's annually renewing term where the premium changes. Well, then the structure is going to change year to year. And so, like that. The language itself is informal and is kind of emerging out of this whole, the, the ongoing broadening of exposure to IBC, right? The, as more and more people hear the language of the infinite banking concept, this the premium structure language starts to proliferate more and more. And there's a unstructured sort of spontaneous organic develop linguistic developmental process that happens there and that that's hard for uh, people to get their arms around especially for home office people who don't think in those terms right they think in terms of death benefit and the conventional insurance planning type scenarios and you know add some designations on it and they're they're older let's say more conventional type mindset is even more inculcated from all of this new way of thinking you know about let's say function. please change the language on me all you know please change it it's hard enough as you grow you know it's your <laughs> age you know the language does change whatever uh i mean classical language doesn't change but uh, you know some of it may be organic mm. other language is structured and chosen on purpose sure right and I'm just. I just meant specifically with the idea of uh, structuring a premium or designing a premium. That's that did not come top down. No, absolutely yeah. not. I don't know how many. I don't. I don't want to go back that far. But I mean, I. I and I'm not whining. It it became clear to me early on, the structure was very important mm -hmm. through practicing. Right, um, very important. And the companies differ with their products and what have you. And so I've been hollering about structure for a long time. And I hear, I've heard, uh, oh, well, you're an IBC purist. Before that, it was, oh, you're getting lost in the weeds. Before that, it was yeah. like talking to a group of people and what I'm saying is going over their heads. And I'm like, wait a minute, in the home office in here? Aren't these life insurance agents in here? You know, uh, structure is important. There's... It's very important, but your structure may be or should be different than someone else's structure. Yeah, um, I I you hear that a lot. There's certain people in the IBC type movement who will say, you know, it's and it's always something taken from Nelson, but then kind of twisted a little bit, right? Well, like it's it's about it's process, not product. 
Mm-hmm. So, which, yeah, Nelson used to say that, but it doesn't follow that we should be unconcerned with product at all. Well, right? he, like, you jump still... over other things that he says in his book. Is that banking is a process, not a product. No question. Yeah. Right? Okay, well, that doesn't mean then, therefore, focus only on the process and not the product because he yeah. also said in here many times, different places, that you, the agent, the advisor, you need to have a firm understanding of life insurance. How about that? Mm. Well, life insurance is a product. Yeah. So, yeah. Product does matter. It does matter. But it doesn't, uh, you know, banking is still a process, though. Sure. Right? Two different things. Right? Oh, now we're just going to control the banking function with life insurance. Okay, well, then you ought to know a product. And then structure within a product does matter, especially as it's applied to you and your capital. Then it becomes very important. And when things go wrong, it can really create a lot of freaking work. And I have a a current client who orphaned by a prior agent, brought a policy. The policy was built to accept PUA premium in excess of the MEC limit. There wasn't enough term. The base premium wasn't high enough. And so now, and the, the, this guy, bless his heart, is, you know, going to examine the curvature of every letter in a word. You know, I mean, it's as detailed. He's going to apply his previous experience to you? Is yeah, that- just, yes, just, you know, he's had this difficulty in the past. And so now there's a degree of skepticism. And so everything is going to be studied down. Yeah. And okay. Fair enough. We'll do that. Um, but to go, so he wants to know, like, to the penny, how much PUA premium can be paid? And, you know, does the number on the enforce illustration take into consideration that there's a modal premium charge on the monthly premiums already paid? And is what there is that? A wife involved? Can you talk to her instead of him? No, this <laughs> is all the one dude was. Sorry. And then, you know, how much more in PUA can be paid? And does that number line up with what I was told previously? And is that on the enforce illustration? I mean, to go in and how many enforce illustrations are we going to order? And, you know, are they, does that take, you know, can I get that in a two week turnaround? Like probably not. I mean, so my point is an improper foundation and a product with a flawed design Mm -hmm. can just create a wake of disaster after the fact. And it creates an awful lot of work for a young man like you. Listen, I'm not, I'm really, and I'm not complaining. Like I'm happy to do it and we resolve it, but you're conveying some of the, what goes on and they, but they don't know that they don't know. They don't know. You know, and that's what I'm saying. And it's a pain in the rear for him. Mm hmm. And, oh, by the way, add a zero to all of that. Let's consider what these problems look like at scale. Oh, yeah. And tell me how much fun that's going to be. Yeah, well, let me, let me without one-upping you, let me, this was last week or two, you know, uh, a, a guy reaches out and says, hey, this is what I've done. I bought a policy on myself. And then the next year, I bought policies on my wife and children, I believe. And then I was orphaned. No kidding. So you buy a policy (laughs) one year, you buy more policies on now everybody in your life or everybody in your family has policies. So then you're orphaned. (laughs) Right. Okay. So it's not funny. I shouldn't. It is not funny. Uh, It's really not funny in this particular case. Um, You know, he calls around, talks to different people. And it's like, and he's just swapping left from his experience. Right. No process. Oh, what? You mean I can't even. You're not even available? Okay. Then, uh, and it was a, I didn't ask for him. He said, can I send you illustrations? I said, your illustration? Well, no, on this particular case, I said, yeah, send them on. 
Because he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. Mm. And he got a jank structure. Right? Yeah. And I'm just saying, then he goes to other people and they say, well, do this or this or this. And it's, and it's like, I'm, I'm sharing with you. I'm not sharing everything behind the numbers and I'm not sharing all that. But what he was encouraged to do in the situation that he's in are wrong. Mm-hmm. And now you like, told me about some of this off camera. Um, and well, it's really, I had a couple of, is that? I okay. think so. Where he was advised to yeah. throttle down premium. Yeah. In the prior oh, yeah. And, it was used to death benefit. that will be dang near nothing at his natural mortality anyway. And, and uh, hopefully that yeah. I say terminal, I mean, God bless him. I pray that he recovers. And there's always that possibility, you know, that he'll recover and not shorten. He's uninsurable is my point. Right. Right. And he's going to stop paying premium and policies he already owns. Yeah. So. And, uh, and you're the primary breadwinner. It's like, who do these, do these people that they engage with, do they have a process? You know, I mean, it, and, and, you know, we talk about it in and on. Um, there's some things that, that should occur before somebody pays a premium. No question there's understanding, you know, where's the money coming from, the premium amount, the premium structure, and the policy number. But more than that, you know, it's almost like when they call and say, hey, how much premium should I pay? Or, hey, I want to pay this premium. It's like, uh, I don't know, and why? Right. You know, and, and I know, I know that I know that I can go online today and I can fill out somebody's uh, form and request an illustration. And have it emailed to me, you know, Monday, probably because they don't work weekends. Uh, I'm, I'm suggesting that they work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and it's like, no, 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 no. There's life. I mean, you're dealing with life insurance. You're dealing with personal planning, financial planning. It, it is like, it, it's, it, you know, a $5,000 policy is not going to solve all your problems. 10000 whatever the number is, you know, the, whatever you do financially, whether you did it 10 years ago, you did it today, you're going to do it 15. All these things you're going to do over this time should be congruent with everything else that you've done. And most people go through life and it's all piecemeal. You know, I bought something from my brother-in-law, did a 401k, I did an IRA. One was Roth, one was yeah. traditional. You know, I bought an annuity, I bought some real estate, I did this, I did that, had a business, sold it, whatever. And, you know, I've had 15 advisors because they orphan you in a heartbeat as soon as they get paid they're gone and and it's at the end of the day uh if you don't correct that at the end of the day i say at the end of the day when you get into retirement or passive income time you have all of these things yeah go ahead none and find all that they're not consistent they're not simple they're complex they're not congruent there's no and I, but I also understand that, you know, while we're young, we're working hard to accumulate and amass, you know, your empire, whatever it is you're doing. Um, but it's okay to make minor adjustments along the way, whether it's betting an advisor, an agent, or um, there's minor adjustments that need to be made continually. Mm-hmm. Nelson was there, plane driver, said it many times. If I take off from Florida, I just want to go to California from Florida. All I have to do is point the plane east when I take off. That's all I got to do. But the closer I get to California, I better make some adjustments or I'm going to wind up in Chicago, New York, or Cuba. Right? And I know that's overly simplified, but tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. 
So I, I want to say, um, do you have more? No, no. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't hear your stomach growling, so I think I'm okay. You're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can't hear well. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, don't, don't act like these things won't happen. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, yeah, um, I have a lot of loss of hearing. And so Mr. Griggs regularly, <laughs> uh, you know, they can put little things in your ear to fix them. Um, there is a solution. In, okay. I want to, you know, the, the idea of becoming your own banker is still new. It's relatively new and, and you can see the maturity and you know, your experiences and my experiences, the consumer's experience, the amount of knowledge, good, bad, or indifferent that is chasing you down on your social media platforms. Um, you can see the, the growth um, or the degeneration sometimes of, you know, people's actions. It's very, very simple and fundamental where to start and i just want to point out a few things i'm never not i don't think i can in the future i don't believe i'm going to change this i might add to it but you've got to read nelson's becoming your own banker right fifth edition you cannot talk even if you're an agent or advisor you're working with you're vetting someone you cannot talk intelligently about the infinite banking concept becoming your own banker without a thorough understanding of this and you're not going to get that from one reading or one skimming or two readings okay and then his second book building your warehouse of wealth nice little blue book it's an easy read this is an easy read i happen to like how privatized banking really works with you know, Dr. Robert Murphy and Carlos Lauer, um, you know, it brings in sound money, infinite banking. And um, let's see. And then the video, Nelson's six and a half hour video that was recorded him live doing a uh, seminar. Of course, you know, he used to give 10 hour seminars and they took a couple hours out of it, chopping it down. Um, whether you own that and you have the plastic that you have to plug into your children's game system or you access it digitally, you this is fundamental. Um, the knowledge, this knowledge is fundamental for your understanding. You may read this and all of that costs maybe 300 bucks, right? I'm just saying that you can't talk intelligently about the infinite banking concept unless you have this foundational material. Right? So that's my encouragement, right? Just vet the idea, discover Nelson's work, right? To see if, and vet it, to see if it uh, can help you and your family. And then um, everything, in my opinion, within the infinite banking concept, I harp on it. I get it. It's over simple. I get it. The four fundamental rules that Nelson had. They're fundamentals, four rules, four basics. Number one, think long range. Number two, don't be afraid to capitalize. Number three, don't steal the peas. And number four, don't do business with banks. Then he added number five, rethink your thinking. But beyond that, right? I don't know how many times I've talked about this on, on an episode but if we yeah my eyes are dimming too but i can still <laughs> see um i think it's at page 28 the human factors 
Yeah, the human problems. Number one, it's in part two of BYOB, understanding Parkinson's law, Willie Sutton's law, the golden rule, and then he winds up with the arrival syndrome, and then the use it or lose it. Okay, and that's on page 35. I just want to bring out a couple of points that Nelson wrote about. He's uh, addressing the uh, article in Fortune Magazine in 1995 that was titled EVA Works, but not if you make these common mistakes. The points made look like this. All right. Number one, they didn't make it away alive. Number two, most managers don't or most managers try to implement EVA too fast. Number three, the boss lacks conviction. Mm. Number four, managers fuss too much. And then number five, training gets short shrift. Now, why would Nelson add that in there? <laughs> Talking about, you know, uh, uh, economic value added. We've talked about that. Stern, Stewart, Coca-Cola. You know, Nelson wrote about it. He talked about it in his six and a half. Why would he point those out? Oh, I don't know. If you if you commit to becoming your own banker and you don't make it a way of life, like you're not going to willy nilly go buy a policy and throw some money at it, and then you know fairy dust and rainbows are going to grow. <laughs> and I'm not saying you have to run your grocery money through there and finance every you know ten dollar, twenty dollar, a hundred or thousand dollar purchase that you make either. I'm not saying that, right? But you're not going to willy nilly throw money into a life insurance policy and call it good and expect these great results. It's not going to happen. You're going to be disappointed. And then most managers try to implement EVA too fast. Mm. Wasn't that what's going on with these jank structures? We're trying to take over the banking function tomorrow when you created it over the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. And you know this. You know there are no shortcuts. Okay. Why would he add in the... uh, Boss lacks conviction. Why would he add that in there? Policy owner wandering off into the wilderness. Oh, you're going to drag your spouse along with you? You know she's the boss. If she ain't happy, you're not happy. I mean, that's just an example. I know all of y'all married up and your wives are lovely. No disparagement. I'm just saying, the boss who, you you don't have conviction when you start a policy to understand the duration of premium that should be paid. Policies are designed for premiums to be paid. All of the benefits of a life insurance contract come from the result of the premium being paid. And then wait, training gets short shrift. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me most of these guys out here that you brought up, you've experienced, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to paint so broadly. You mean to tell me a process is important? Even this idea of a consultative relationship where iron sharpens iron after a policy is delivered? Mm-hmm. What? And you, your clients come back to you and they say, well, James, I'm doing this or this. I'm thinking about buying a winery. I'm thinking about buying a car dealership. I'm thinking about buying a train. I'm thinking I'm thinking about putting a rail port in the back of my commercial building. Here's what, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, well, you're gonna, you can call your attorney on that and they're going to tell you the legalities if that's within their, and I'm not saying I have all the knowledge and all the answers. I'm still a student, but I've got a lot of experience and I'm just saying these are the relationships which adds to training. Not only what you do, what you learn from others, right? But to have someone, if I can't call the previous agent that delivered to me what I think is subpar now, I'm not saying it's bad or should be replaced or anything, but I don't think it, from what I understand now, it's subpar. I might have bought it two, three, one, ten years ago. Um, I can't have an open relationship or conversation. I can't even access them. Mm. Really? 
Well, tell me, how, how, how can you short shrift training any greater than that? <laughs> right? Oh, maybe not pick up a book and reread it every now and then. Maybe you uh, guard or pay attention or uh, be very considerate about what you listen to without the firm foundational understanding, knowledge, and experience, right? So, I mean, if I've been, you too, if you've been practicing the infinite banking concept a year or two, six months, nine months, I mean, the longer you practice that, the clearer the noise is going to be. You'll be able to spot it a mile away. And then you can avoid it, right? All right. I like it. Yeah, perfect. All right, look, thanks for listening. Good place to end. Yeah, right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.